passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. It's Rewind to Raw. I'm John Pollock, along with Waiting. The best time to find out that you're not recording is in the first five seconds, not the last five seconds. How are you, Way? Oh, well, thank goodness for that. You know? I, I would have been pissed if I had to rely on your backup. Uh, well, I have a feeling this is going to be the best podcast we've ever, ever, ever done. So um, we need crystal clear first-run audio. That is the only option uh, that we have for tonight's show. The very best for all of you as we go through tonight's episode of Raw following Hell in a Cell. A very busy weekend. We're going to get into some of the fallout of all that, but how how is your Monday going? It's going okay, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just the weather. We've been on basically like a stretch of like rainy days and it's just kind of cold as hell now yeah it's really zapped my energy so i've just been kind of lethargic all day so that's how i'm doing yeah below 700 uh on the scale of 1000 yeah perhaps my energy level was maybe like a 512 yeah i was i was sub 500 today sub 500 wow oh yeah it was just uh, one of those days just dragged well What's not going to be dragging is our schedule this week. We've got a lot of stuff coming your way. Beginning Tuesday, we've got an interview coming your way with Jake Hager, who's going to be fighting on Thursday night against Brandon Colton. Uh, Yeah, Bellator. He is, for some reason, Jake Hager is fighting on the prelims on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Very strange choice. When you look at... You know, they've got a really quality main event with Gegard Mousasi fighting Douglas Lima, uh, but it's a three-fight main card on CBS Sports Network, and then they've got, like, their marathon number of fights on the prelims, uh, which is on, like, their YouTube channel, and that's where Jake Hager is fighting. He is fighting a 40-year-old who made his pro debut back in June. So I think Jake Hager is a sizable favorite in this fight on Thursday night. Very interesting. Have you done the interview yet, or are you doing it tomorrow? Um, it's already been done. Yes. Oh, okay. Did you want me to ask him something for you? No, 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 no. Oh, I was just curious. Well, that's coming up on Tuesday. Then Tuesday night, Way and I will be chatting King of the Ring 1995. We have not done this show yet, so God knows what we're in store for. Uh, you warned me, John, to really take my time with this one, and I can understand why. Um, I spent a good chunk of the day going through it. I'm only halfway through. It oh, is a God. fucking terrible, terrible show. 
like it puts in per- into perspective. Like was last week's Raw terrible? Yes, but it was a terrible in that. My God, there's so much to talk about from this show. King of the Ring '95 is like, okay, um, it's Savio Vega again, and a man's foot is about to be like he's like contracted like gangrene. Because I'm going to outsmart Brett. I'm going to destroy my foot for a month. <laughs> that- and then it culminates. The the uh, just the tag match of all tag matches to headline this thing. It's a brutal show. And we're going to go through it. And it's not going to be good. But that's on Tuesday night. The Kiss My Foot match is an exception. I mean, that that is one I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing. I, I'm not there on the show yet. So um, that might be my saving grace. But the rest of this, I mean... No saliva. Um, I don't know. Sorry, a King of the Ring tournament that just has matches that really uh, not that interesting. So we'll try our best to talk about it to make it interesting. Yep. We got Peak Doc Hendricks on color commentary for the whole night with Vince McMahon. Oh, of course. Yes. All of that is coming your way. Stephanie Wyan. Stephanie Wyan. Yes. Our intrepid reporter. Uh, Then later in the week, uh, we are going to have uh, Brandon Thurston returning on Friday because Thursday night, you know what that means? It's WWE and their third quarter earnings report and investors call. So already, who eh? better? It's it's already the, the the third quarter is done. Way wow! So it's it's time to put out the uh, the Brandon signal, and he will be joining us at post wrestling uh, with his uh, with his zip up jacket, and he will be chatting with us on Friday about all of the news coming out of that call and the earnings report. An interesting earnings report, as they all are, because this is one where, you know, this will reflect where, like, what were those savings uh, from all the cuts back in the spring? Because for the main roster cuts, they all had the 90-day no-compete clauses, and this quarter would reflect um, with those uh, those cuts reflected and all of the no-compete clauses off the books. On top of that... How much was all the the Thunderdome spending adding to WWE's uh, expenditures in the quarter? So I'm sure like there will be some some interesting uh, some interesting looks into everything. They've been heavily pushing this free tier of the WWE Network, and you know based on the last earnings call, was it seemed like pushing people to that free tier. They they saw some success combined with the the pandemic starting because that network number was a lot better than people assumed for the post mania quarter. Yeah, hopefully we'll get some of those numbers. Hopefully a bit more clarity as to uh, the current state of the company. What do you are you expecting? Good news for them? Bad news? Do you expect any like eh, maybe a bit sort of harder questions, especially with like maybe in light of like a lot of the conversation about you know. Um, uh, uh, um, what what do they call them? Um, independent contractor statuses. I guess that that is interesting because I thought you were gonna like bring up like the, the COVID stuff. I'm not expecting this to be a heavy call when it comes to uh, kind of the the safety procedures and protocols. That's not typically the topics you get. But uh, given how outspoken Andrew Yang has been, and with the election just days away. Uh, that's a real interesting topic to see how much that is brought up and how much they quickly steer the conversation to uh, we're not going to talk about theoretical outcomes to an election that has not happened yet. 
I'm certainly curious to see like the line of questioning on this one because it seems like as of recently, like you know, um, some of the questions have been a bit more hard hitting from from the investors. So, well, I look forward to seeing your hearing your breakdown with Brandon as well as listening to the call itself. Well, we will have a rewind to SmackDown Friday night at 10:15 Eastern. Uh, we had a ton of calls on Friday, so those shows on Friday nights always a lot of fun. And then into the weekend we go. Halloween. What better way than we have a Double bill. We have a pair of movie reviews. The Rocky Maivia Picture Show returns. Nate Milton will be joined by Jen Chittenden as they will be reviewing the 2014 classic Hercules starring Dwayne Johnson, who, uh, I don't know, lost a fight today in a gym because he was... Did you see this video from Dwayne Johnson today? No, I didn't. What happened? Holy Christ. This guy, he just posted a video. His eye was all cut up, leaking blood. And then he just wipes the blood with his finger and sucks in the blood. And this was real? This is not a movie scene? No, no. This looked legit. Well, then, of course, the guy's ready for WrestleMania. Come on. He's not going to get more hurt than that. I don't know if he can do color, though. But um, that's coming up on Saturday. And then Halloween is Saturday. And that means Braden and Davey will have an up next movie review. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Oh, my. Halloween 3. I've not seen any of the Halloween movies. I'm not a scary movie fan, but cl- these two clearly are. Um, and what a better way to follow up on a Up Next Halloween Havoc special. They, aren't they yes. doing a whole Halloween party? On they Zoom? are having, uh, they're doing their uh, watch along and you can join their their watch along, but you have to be in costume. And I'm excited to see these two in costume. They've kind of teased some ideas. I'm curious to see what the final decisions are. Will you be joining in with your costume, John? Uh, I won't be because I'll be I'll be watching Dynamite. I heard a rumor that you once dressed up as a computer. Where did you hear this? From you, actually. Uh, I may or may not have dressed up as a computer in uh, grade <laughs> two. And I may or may not have won a contest for best costume oh that particular God. year at my school in my <laughs> age group. Maybe a story for another time. Maybe, maybe another podcast. And then the week uh, ends off with the long and winding Royal road. And it's been the, it's been a long and winding road for WH park back to Canada as he will be chatting with Davey Portman this Sunday. And they are going back 17 years to review Kenta Kobashi and Dr. Death Steve Williams from August of 1993. So some great shows this week at postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com. As always, a very busy schedule, and uh, we thank all of the contributors. Hopefully you enjoy all the shows. News to get into. Uh, We had the SmackDown number from FS1 on Friday night, uh, courtesy of Showbuzz Daily. They did 881,000 viewers and a .25 in the demo. Uh, This was going against the World Series that just did over 8.1 million viewers. Uh, So SmackDown was 15th for the night on cable. They were not all that different from last year's SmackDown on FS1, which did uh, 888,000 viewers. So it was a very minor difference from last year. But uh, what was interesting was the comparison to AEW on Wednesday night. And yes, it's 
it's not a direct comparison in that AEW was on their regular night in their regular slot, but I thought it was still interesting to look at both uh, in terms of they each had to go against the World Series. And in the key demos, I mean, SmackDown only won two of them, which was adults over 50, and they won males 12 to 34. But in in the major demos, 18 to 49, it was a Dynamite with a .30 to a .25. And males 18 to 34, uh, AEW edged them out .15 to .13. And another note to this is that when we saw NXT and Dynamite have to move uh, different nights, those shows held up much better than SmackDown did. And in the case of NXT, did significantly better without the Wednesday night competition. But um, I guess this is more so interesting if you look at the fact that if SmackDown ever did end up on cable, or if you're just looking at, you know, what Fox is paying SmackDown versus TNT is paying for Dynamite, this was a very interesting head-to-head comparison to look at in terms of, you know, both on cable, both with the same competition from the World Series and where Dynamite's audience was for a week that we were looking at, like, this was not a a big number for AEW. This was kind of a middle-of-the-road number for them. Yeah, certainly. I think it adds a bit more fuel to perhaps that, you know, hypothetical now. I mean, no longer are people really comparing AEW to NXT. Now it's AEW compared to either Raw or SmackDown. And a week like this allows maybe a bit more of an even playing field to make that comparison. I I still think there's so many variables that you can't really definitively say, you know, hey, if AEW was on Fox, would it do better than SmackDown? I it's to it, there's still so much unproven, you know, like is AEW's audience right now sort of like their core max audience. Um would they grow that much if they moved to a network? And conversely, um if WWE put that much more promotional power behind an FS1 push, would they be able to do better than this? I I I think there's just still a lot of variables, but it's it's interesting. I have to say like I think the number was a lot better than I was expecting, especially when you compare the last time they were on FS1. Um, just, you know, looking at the amount of people that are watching SmackDown regularly on Fox, that pool is much more smaller to draw from. So I expected far less to make the, uh, the move over to FS1 this time around. And they pretty much like did a very similar number. What is your theory on, like, as I mentioned, like when AEW moved to, they did a Saturday night show and a Thursday night show and were able to retain a good amount of their audience NXT, like we saw what they did unopposed and when they had to move to Tuesdays, but SmackDown not being on Fox, do you look at like that big drop both years as it's just, that's the, their difference of not being on network television? Like, what is your theory about, you know, a loyal, like every week without fail, they're doing their, you know, two, 2.1 million viewers that you can count on. Why is such a significant number uh, not just, it's the same time slot. It's just a different channel. Yeah, personally, I think that's probably your most hardcore wrestling fan who you might even see a level of crossover between, you know, somebody watching SmackDown on FS1 and somebody who might regularly watch an NXT or AEW. To me, that I would predict, I would assume that that might just be your hardcore base that's willing to, and, and that is aware of these moves at the last minute that would watch probably wrestling uh, on most channels that it moves to. That That's my presumption, and... The rest, you know, one point something million, perhaps just, you know, casual Fox viewers. Yeah, it's 
it also to me really does emphasize like NXT's role in all of this because these AEW numbers that we're comparing with that's with you know a head-to-head wrestling competitor on Wednesday nights mm-hmm. um you know it's you know if you don't have NXT there and like these would be the discussions people would be having a lot more is looking at AEW's more inflated numbers without NXT competition and how close they are to their other cable competitor, and, and that would be Raw. Like, I think it's we're, we're seeing much clearer where NXT is, you know, what function it serves beyond just head-to-head competition of what it plays in a larger sense for AEW. I mean, the trends are kind of moving in those directions, aren't they? I mean, it's it's not even necessarily AEW growing, but more so Raw um, going down. So uh, this time next year will be really interesting to think about, you know, how, how much how much closer we get to that discussion. But of course, what ultimately matters is when these deals are up and, and for negotiation, uh, how, you know, how raw raw's numbers in comparison to AEW will affect them. Uh, but more importantly, how AEW uh, in comparison to raw will affect their negotiating power. Yeah, there's uh, for, for rewind away on Tuesday night. uh we always do a segment looking at some of the major news that's going on that week. So going back to June of 1995, uh, there is some uh, astounding information on what uh, what Raw was getting or what WWE was getting paid per week by the USA Network 25 years ago. Spoiler. How many, how many figures? Uh, <laughs> tune in on Tuesday night. The spoiler is it wasn't $5 million a week that they're getting now for Raw. Um. Next up, we have uh, John Elba at Spectrum Sports uh, posted the uh, the amended deal between WWE and the city of Orlando. This was the deal to extend their stay at the Amway Center for the Thunderdome with the new expiration date of November 24th, which would be two days after the Survivor Series. Um, Dave Meltzer also had uh, a follow-up on this, um, stating that according to WWE officials, there is no outdate the contract expires with the raw after survivor series but they are in talks for a longer stay they are also talks uh, there are also talks regarding alternative plans uh and dave had this quote uh presumably from wwe stating we are evaluating options for thunderdome's location after our stay at amway concludes which the exact date is tbd Uh, now on top of this and john elba pointed this out is that the the Orlando Solar Bears, uh, Way's favorite team in the ECHL, they're going to be starting play at the Amway Center on December the 11th. And uh, the bigger factor is that the NBA is currently discussing their return to play, uh, which they're targeting a return date of December 22nd without the bubble, meaning the teams would be back in their home arenas. So it would seem with, with those two factors that um, whatever the final date is, uh WWE is likely going to be looking for an alternative location. And I mean, I've heard of some cities thrown out, but it doesn't sound like there's anything concrete now of what the plans are going to be. But given, you know, hockey and basketball likely being occupants at the Amway Center, uh, it does look like WWE will be moving. And I guess the question is, will they be getting out of Florida where it seems like it's not going to, the restrictions are not there, but I mean, what are your options uh, when you have, you know, a place like the Thunderdome that you can't just you can't just put that into a warehouse or something like you need to have a uh, a certain standard of arena that you're going to be housed in? Yeah, it's true. Um, 
does this, you know, push ahead uh, perhaps plans of traveling, at least within the Florida Loop? Or perhaps they will maybe temporarily move to the Capitol Wrestling Center, the Performance Center, moving back to that. That's a setup. But, it, you know, they put so much hype behind the Thunderdome um, for, I think, as much as they put into this upgraded Performance Center to make it the Capitol Wrestling Center. It, it in some ways, would still seem like a bit of a downgrade. Um, they're promoting so much of this Cap- Thunder Thunderdome deal that do you think that they would travel with it? Like the same yes. setup, but just in a different arena. I do think so. I'd be very surprised to see them have like, obviously the performance center would be the last resort that you always have that in your back pocket. But I mean, I can't like the Thunderdome has had a meaningful difference on, on television viewership. Like I, I don't, and what they've invested in this thing is, is probably enormous. So I, I can't see them shelving the Thunderdome, uh, nor do I see them ultimately like maybe you have to leave the state. Maybe you can stay in Florida, but I think you, you will find a place that you can run it. Um, I, I'd be curious too about like other arenas, whether they be in Florida or outside of Florida that have been empty, not having any business that maybe they would, they would want to actively court the WWE to come to our arena because we've got nothing going on. Why not invite the WWE and, and at least have, I mean, it's not like you can invite fans in or even have necessarily like a full workforce there, but there's some arenas that maybe they, they just like the idea of being the home of WWE for an extended stay. Sure. You know, but who's to say it even needs to be a proper arena? You know, like it could be a large empty warehouse anywhere. I think you could fit that set in. Well, I guess that gets down to the logistics of like this Thunderdome, like those screens, like it's it's a pretty enormous setup when you, when you look at it. I don't know what size of arena you would need, but I would like you couldn't do this in the performance center at this scale. No, you couldn't. No, it would have to be a bigger place. Mm-hmm. No, I want to see all those thumbs down. I, I, I can't be cutting down on screens. I want to see every single one of them. <laughs> so I guess we will see where, where this ultimately goes. And if this is brought up on, like, maybe they will announce, like, the success of the Thunderdome and people wanting to know, like, long-term plans of the Thunderdome post-November uh, 24th, what the plans are. And maybe they will have something more concrete by Thursday's call. AAA, they held a press conference on Monday and... They have tentative plans for Triple Mania, uh, which did not happen this past summer, uh, that they want to have take place in December, although they have not listed a date. It's really going to depend on how Mexico City is dealing with the pandemic at that point, if they can go forward with this. Um, They have announced uh, Kenny Omega versus Laredo Kid for the show, as well as a hair versus hair match with Pagano and Chessman, and an interesting uh, tie-in with AAA working with Marvel. Marvel has just released this whole series of Funko Pops with a Lucha Libre theme, and what they're going to be doing is taking some AAA wrestlers, and they will be playing these Funko Pop characters, and they're going to do a tag match on Triple Mania. So we have a, a AAA Marvel uh, working relationship. Seems pretty cool. I mean, you know, wrestling and comic books, of course, go naturally together very well. But to have a proper working relationship between a, a, a wrestling promotion and the company um, is really interesting. I, I wouldn't have expected it to be AAA. But when you think about the Lucha tie in and what Marvel's doing right now, makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah, if I don't want to uh, pat myself on the back, but uh, I'm going to dislocate my shoulder to do so here that 
here we do the whole run of, of Marvel films and we, we get deals like this. <laughs> and from Drew McIntyre to King of the Ring 95, dude, in the last month, I have never heard so many Rocky references on pro wrestling programming. Outside of Drew McIntyre, what else has there been? Have you watched King of the Ring 95? Oh, okay. Oh, my God. We've right. cut away yes, to Philadelphia, the statue. Right. There have been more, too, that I, I have noticed. Uh, maybe it's just I'm more uh, aware now of the amount of Rocky references that we get in modern-day pop culture, but I don't know. It just seems I'm going to take all the credit for it. They're actually. all patrons, clearly. M must be. Um, as well, AAA noting that uh, at Triple Mania, they'll be inducting La Parca into their Hall of Fame, and uh, and they're not going to run this show Unless they can have fans, because for their business, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. They're so reliant on that live gate. So this really sounded like a press conference of uh, fingers crossed. These are our plans. Uh, date to be determined, hoping for December and kind of teasing a lot of things. But I mean, again, I, I don't know how you can possibly predict where things are going to be two weeks from now, much less two months from now. Uh, and and we know in Mexico, like it's been, it's been hit a lot. It's really tough to be a promotion when you don't know if you can really promote the thing that you want to promote. Um, at the same time, you can't really wait for some of these things to, to talk about for the last minute. So, uh, card subject to change, card subject to not exist, I guess. Card subject. Period. <laughs> yes. Um, just a few notes from the uh, the UFC 254 card on Saturday night. The big news was uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov announcing his retirement after beating Justin Gaethje. Uh, did you happen to see this fight? Did not, but I heard all about it. So uh, Javier Mendez, his coach, uh, spoke to Kevin Ioli at Yahoo Sports, and he talked about – this was after the fight – of what a disastrous camp this was. So Khabib arrived in San Jose around September 11th. And he had the mumps. So that delayed his camp by about two weeks. He comes back and then he breaks his toe. But he tells Javier Mendez, my toe is broken, but my mind is not. And then there were others in the camp falling ill. They had staph infection going around. It just sounds like this was the camp from hell. But Khabib was bound and determined to do this fight. And... You know, afterwards, it seemed like he had kept this very close to the vest. Javier Mendez didn't know he was going to retire. Daniel Cormier, who was ringside, didn't know. Uh, Khabib announced that he was retiring. He wasn't going to go for 30-0. and 0. He was going to retire after 29 fights and said he promised his mother at the beginning of this fight camp that uh, with his father, who passed away in July, he was not going to continue this without his father and was walking away. And I think everyone uh, believes this to be... Uh, not to be any kind of a negotiating tool. Like this is pretty concrete as far as fighter retirements go. And then the wildest story way, Daniel Cormier uh, was uh, on with Ariel Hawani today and explained that the closing sequence sees Khabib get this beautiful takedown on Justin Gaethje and he's going for this arm bar. And then he has a slick transition to a triangle before he gets the submission. And he explained afterwards that, Earlier in the week, he had heard Justin Gaethje say that he would not tap. So when Khabib got the armbar, what's going through his head, with all of this stuff going on, he's thinking, Justin Gaethje's parents are special guests here in the front row watching this. If Justin won't tap, I don't want his parents to see him, you know, break an arm or something. 
So he transitioned to the triangle, knowing if Justin refused to tap, he would just go unconscious, but he wouldn't break a body part. Uh, how considerate. Uh. Justin still tapped, but I mean, what a, what an honorable way to beat a man in front yeah. of his parents. Uh, that is about the sweetest, most violent thing I've ever heard. Um, that's, that's a wonderful story. Just a, a way to add that much more to, I think, a. Uh, what what seems to be incredibly uh, emotional, you know, final moments of this man's career. Uh, but yeah, like <laughs> the, the post fight was one of the most emotional scenes you will ever see in a in a fight setting. Like Khabib mm-hmm. is just broken down. Like it was like the weight of the world, uh, just like like all the reality of his father passing. It seemed like it all just hit him the second. This fight ended. Uh, it was it was a very emotional scene uh, after the fight, and a very classy ending with Justin Gaethje going over to you know console him. And it was like it was a really great scene at the end of this all. And and I think most are are very very convinced that Khabib will be the exception to the rule of fighter retirements that stick even at 32 years of age. I I do feel we've seen his his last fight. What what, what does he do after? What will he do after? I mean, he's he's stated that, you know, he will continue to coach uh, his teammates and, and stuff like that. He's involved – like, he's got several, like, foundations and things that he started. And, I mean, this guy will never th- have to think about money again in his life. I mean, he has ma- – it's uh, – I was really thinking about this today is that I don't know how many fighters are walking away from more, like, guaranteed money than Khabib where – George St. Pierre seemed very willing to fight this guy. And Conor McGregor, like, this was the fight that he was obsessed with getting. Those two fights are, like, forget life-altering money. That's, like, generational wealth that, I mean, his grandchildren would be more than taken care of. You know what I mean? Like, it's just Mm -hmm. enormous money that I don't know how many fighters, no matter what um, beliefs they had or plans of retirement that they had that would not that that would be able to walk away from one of those fights much less two that i mean he very easily i think could have gotten either of those fights and the connor one i mean it's been sitting there and he repeatedly said this was not about money he beat him and he is not going to give connor mcgregor that rematch wow oh very interesting i mean um obviously like you know with circumstances i mean those those feelings seem to be even more cemented, but um, out of respect to somebody who, you know, places other things ahead of money. Last thing is just looking at Wednesday night's lineups. Uh, there are some changes to Dynamite. The main one being uh, Ray Phoenix is off, and this show was taped on Thursday. So it will now be Kenny Omega against Penta in the semifinals, and the other side of the bracket is Hangman Page versus Wardlow, the two winners meeting at full gear. Cody against Orange Cassidy in a lumberjack match for the TNT title. And uh, there was an injury to Abaddon during her match with uh, Ty Conti. So that match is off. Um, the report was that she re- she took an elbow to the throat and was having trouble breathing and had to go to the hospital for evaluation. So the match was halted. So that will not air. And in its place will be Eddie Kingston against Matt Seidel. And then you've got the town hall with the inner circle that um, will probably be one of the big segments of the night. Uh, definitely looking forward to Abaddon. I mean, it seemed like by that sort of booking that it might have been um, a push for her or at least a start of one. So uh, I'm sure, you know, something like this won't won't 
you know, have any uh, bearing on whether or not she does get a push in the future, but it, it'll probably just, you know, delay it. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, looking forward to seeing a, a, an actual run from her in the, like soon. And then the Halloween Havoc special has Rhea Ripley against uh, Raquel Gonzalez. The Dexter Loomis Cameron Grimes Haunted House of Terror match. And then we have the the spin the wheel, make the deal uh, provisions for the two title matches with Damian Priest against Johnny Gargano for the North American title and Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae for the women's title. So I think uh, certainly a lot of interest in the Halloween Havoc concept. I'm not expecting uh, NXT to uh, threaten AEW overall, but this is a Halloween Havoc show where I would say, you know, it's a fine lineup, but I think it's the nostalgia more than anything that is might draw some people in that want, want to check this out out of pure nostalgia yeah if a show like this had come along maybe a year ago i feel like it would have perhaps fared better but now i think everybody's kind of settled on the rosters and the product that they've gotten used to on a wednesday so i think there's going to be some initial curiosity at the start to just to see the set to see the concepts to see some of those things beyond that i mean it really is up to the show to be able to maintain that audience and how much, how long can they really stretch, you know, those nuggets of, of nostalgia throughout the entire two hours? And probably you don't want to put the last Halloween Havoc from 2000 onto the free tier to promote this. <laughs> probably not. Um, which one show. would which one would you put on? Um, what was the last great Halloween Havoc? There were there were some really right. bad ones. Ninety uh, nine had that awful Hogan laying down for Sting deal. Um, I would not recommend that. 98 was not very good either. That had kind of begs the question why Warrior match. It kind of begs the question why everybody's so excited for for this to return, but it it really is in the name, I think. Well, uh, maybe uh, the the monster truck uh, duel between Paul White and Hogan. Oh, they better come through from the dead. They better come through with some like fucking crazy stipulation, like in the spin the wheel thing. Um. One last news item coming from Andrew Thompson, who just alerted me uh, that uh, President Obari of New Japan uh, just did an interview with Tokyo Sports. And the limit for the Tokyo Dome shows, uh, is, according to Obari, is going to be 20,000. So that, that would be 50% capacity at the, to- the Tokyo Dome. So okay. that would mean their goal would be 40,000 over two nights. Mm-hmm. So All right. um, I, I would say like that's that is ambitious in these times for new Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be. Um, how do you, you don't, you don't think they'll do it. Mm, it's going to be contingent on the lineups. And like, as we saw, like for new Japan, I think that, you know, the G one was kind of interesting to see like where I, I think it's going to take a lot to hit 20,000. I don't think that's just a uh, rubber stamp that you're going to be able to sell 20,000 tickets for both nights as well. And how comfortable are people currently in Japan to be in a room? I mean, granted, it's a giant room, but still a stadium full of 20,000 people. Um, Yeah, I wonder. There's no way to predict. Like, the Jingu Stadium show was their biggest that they've run, and that was was 5,000 people. And it was outdoors. And outdoors, yes. All right, into Raw we go. And, you know, tonight's show, uh, you know, there were several objectives to the show, the biggest being... The Survivor Series, and I've got to say that they have pretty much outlined the entire card, um, unless you're expecting any title changes from now until the pay-per-view, which I guess are always possible. Uh, but the sidebar to that is 
no NXT this year. It will be straight Raw versus SmackDown uh, for the pay-per-view. Yeah, I'd say that was a big news coming out of this show. No NXT involvement. Uh, and if you perhaps, I don't know, maybe watch the show for the better part of several months, I mean, very little mention, I think, made of NXT on that level. Um, you know, no real teases at, at all. I mean, they also have a lot of people that they just recently called up. So, but yeah, interesting creative decision. I mean, I thought it worked out really well last year, especially as a way to promote NXT on Wednesday to lift them up. Uh, this year, choosing not to give them that that promotion power. Yeah, I wonder if any of the thinking was at all about like the mixing of the locker rooms and not like after that most recent outbreak and the fact that, you know, Raw Underground has been shelved, like maybe the idea of like maybe that wasn't the deciding factor, but maybe that contributed to the decision. I'm sure it would have a huge impact on on that uh, thinking. Yeah, even like shelving something like Raw Underground. um, Why go through all that trouble just to mix the talent you know like if you get any kind of like outbreak and then suddenly it's like you have all three locker rooms intermingling for four weeks leading up to this i mean that could just wreak havoc on all your rosters Mm -hmm. drew mcintyre starts the show he has no excuses for losing the title but he promises one day to win it back and he says i've been thinking about the new movie or sorry i've been thinking about the movie rocky and Rocky Four, which is coming out next Tuesday at the Post Wrestling Cafe. It's not about how hard you hit. It's how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. And when Drew gets knocked down, he comes back twice as strong. And if you could read my mind, you'd be very scared. I hope these two just go on quoting Rocky Four for the rest of the build for their program. Randy... If you can change. <laughs> if Drew dies, he dies. <laughs> if he Drews, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> no. uh, the Miz interrupts with John Morrison. He's got the briefcase. He was absolutely aggravating here. He said that he beat Randy Orton here in Orlando 10 years ago for the title. Maybe he'll do it again. He's just annoying Drew until Drew headbutts Miz then Morrison does a Scottish accent. He gets forearmed and thrown around with belly-to-bellies. But as he goes for a future shock DDT, Miz returns, clipping the knee of Drew. Drew then stomps on Morris's, Morrison's sunglasses and says, It's going to be a bad night for Miz and Morrison. <laughs> Friggin' idiots. <laughs> and that's how this segment ended. I thought it was a good you know, post-defeat promo from Drew McIntyre. I mean... You know, so much of whether or not I think um, you could determine a babyface losing was a good idea is based on their follow-up. And this episode was pretty much entirely dedicated to Drew McIntyre's reaction to losing. uh, So much so that I think you heard more from him than you did from Randy Orton. Uh, And this, to me, just felt like a total, you know, beginning of his road to redemption. I think this was like the furthest you were going to see a... Vince McMahon anointed babyface sell defeat because that was always a major, uh, to me, a glaring part of when John Cena would like, they were just always, they never wanted him to come across as like whining. But at the same time, like we would have times like this guy would like laugh off stuff like that just because they never wanted him to feel 
like a like a crybaby over something. You didn't get that from Drew here, you know. Drew like pretty much said he has no excuses, uh, but he has one promise, and that's he'll be champion again. So he's not pouting about it, but he is. You could tell maybe silently angry and upset about it, and certainly by his actions later on, you could tell he's very angry about it. Uh, but he's also incredibly determined and, and still carries that confidence, which I think is very good of a, a lead babyface. They laid out the theme of the Survivor Series, Raw versus SmackDown, uh, which will feature five-on-five traditional Survivor Series matches, and we'll go through all the card later because they they announced pretty much everything uh, for the show, save for all the participants in the Survivor Series matches. And then we were going to have a bunch of qualifying matches tonight, including as Samoa Joe labeled him the barefooted bro wonder versus Seamus. God, there are some pretty awful ones. Oh man. That might be the worst. So wait, like Drew, they still called him the indomitable. Is he the Scottish psychopath as well? Um, that might be, yeah. One of the other ones, they might've retired that one, but indomitable. I mean, the guy lost last night. He's some- <laughs> he was dominated. He's something else. They've got a bunch of these they're, and they're God awful. Almost all of them. The barefooted bro wonder. Oh my God. AJ comes out with Jordan. He is 2-0 on Raw. He asks, why do I have to have a qualifying match? I've proven myself. I should be the captain of Team Raw. And he says his associate doesn't like to be looked at or talked to. And his associate also does not have a name. Didn't they like key him as Jordan last week? Or the week prior? Like, yeah. They were always keying him as, uh, well, they were referring to him as Jordan during the Raw Underground things, but I don't know if they have yet with AJ. I feel like last week they might have as he walked out, but I I could be mistaken. He calls Jeff Hardy the biggest cheater in WWE after using an illegal knee brace this past summer. I do enjoy how AJ always goes back to this, this loss. Like, I'm fine with that. Like a champion that loses his title and it eats away at him. It wasn't exactly that long ago either, right? Like it was like a August. month, two months. Yeah. He did say the summer here. Well, he said his associate will make Jeff Hardy wish that he never put that bottle down. Damn, like it, it's, it can't be a coincidence that like in the two promos we've heard back to back about Jeff Hardy, they have both re- made reference to that. I mean, I know it's a part of his like major storyline from, uh, but you know, the, the past two, three months, but. I mean, he's not doing that program with Sheamus anymore. Like, why Why are they continuing to bring it up? Do you think that Elias and Jeff Jarrett are going to be on opposing teams at the Survivor Series? Um, uh, Dude, they might I, was, that for I was upset about that one last night. I had no idea when we were doing the show last night that Jarrett had posted earlier in the day that it was his three-year anniversary of being sober. Like, that to mm-hmm. me is so low class that they went there yeah. and... I mean, one can't be a coincidence from the other. Uh, I mean, even if, like, I don't know, perhaps Jarrett okayed it, it's still, like, very insulting, I think, to anybody who's gone through it. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's just a bad look. Why why go that low? How much of your audience is is aware of that with Jeff Jarrett? Like, some will be, but Mm -hmm. this guy isn't a regular character. They don't know about this. I, I, I really just thought that that was just, like, the stuff you really hate. And there was plenty of that, that if you read Jim Ross's latest book of just where they would, they would just go for the jugular on stuff like that. And it's just, uh, it's inexcusable. 
AJ versus Jeff Hardy. This was our first of three qualifying matches for the men's team. Uh, Hardy got caught by Jordan on the floor, and we just went to commercial. I didn't know what Jordan did with him. Maybe he just like low, uh, slowly laid him down on the floor. I don't know what happened here. That must have been what a- happened because I mean he didn't get attacked. I mean it, it's it's weird. They just like these cut these throw to commercials are just um, anything unusual happening. They will go to commercial. Whereas like in a real sport, um, you might have some commentary. Like if a fan runs onto the field streaking or something, like you can say, "Hey, we have to pause for action um, while we settle all this." They don't even say that. What if someone put a spider? down your pants and you started having convulsions in the ring. Um, would that cause a commercial? Was that what happened to Mia Yim? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck happened to Mia Yim, but it was one of the most bizarre things I've seen this year. And that covers a lot of ground. So, uh, AJ hits him with the rack bomb, spinning Jeff off his shoulders, twist of fate and Pele kick get avoided. And then there's a sit out gourd buster by Hardy. He climbs the turnbuckle, but then the menacing stare of Jordan locks eyes with Jeff Hardy. It's like staring into an eclipse. And he gets knocked off the top turnbuckle from the distraction and is shoved into the post. Phenomenal forearm. And Styles pins Hardy in nine minutes, 57 seconds. So AJ qualifies for the men's team. These two have had, you know, very good, reliable matches on SmackDown uh, in, in the months past. And this was no different. I thought this was a pretty good TV match. Um, Jeff. And Elias would go on to lose, so that kind of evens them out. I mean, firmly slots them as, I guess, a mid-tier program for sure, but I didn't think the loss really hurt Jeff at all. They'll have a concert. Jeff Hardy with Jeff, Jeff Jarrett. Hart. Oh, okay. Maybe, yeah. With my peroxygen tonight. <laughs> Elias shows up, bashes Jeff Hardy with a guitar from behind, and they played his song. And throughout the night, they were plugging that Elias's album is out, and he's number two on iTunes Music, which would have quite the payoff by the end of the night. This was its own little storyline. Yeah, I mean, this was a a, a, a show long build with a payoff. Our truth was with Sarah Schreiber. He's going to go scout the tag match coming up. He eats and sleeps dangerously. In fact, his third middle name is R. Franklin. Dangerously copper pot truth. And then he stopped and he just goes, ugh, and he walks off. I didn't know if this was like their own like Rhino Heath segment where, I mean, this guy just realized like, this is a stupid promo. I'm just leaving. I didn't know what this was. I think he just likes to like make funny noises for fun. I thought they were just like, yeah, this is fine. We're going to air it. So, big tag match to come. Lince Dorado, Grand Metalik against Akira Tozawa and Drew Gulak. Truth came out to his own music, uh, ran around. They tried to pin him. It ended with Gulak getting hit with a high cross from Dorado, who missed R-Truth. He pinned Gulak in 207. More pin attempts on the floor, and then R-Truth ran away. They all chased him. This was really novel for this division. When all four of these guys... Or part of the Cruiserweight Classic. Can you imagine that they would end up here? Yeah, Mascar Dorada. I mean, what a what a great pickup here. Kira Tozawa, Drew Gulak. Like the 24-7 division is the 205 division now. Plus our truth. Yeah, they might as well put this on 205 Live. Make this the whole show. 
I mean, those matches with a 24-7 rule attached to it, maybe I can buy it. But man, it's just like the, the unfortunate part is that you have this great talent that we've seen have great matches. Granted, nobody watched those matches and nobody ever cared. But I, it would be nice to at least see, you know, a bit of their ability here rather than just having them do a bit of things and then um, R-Truth running in here for a comedy bit. I don't know. If I was Grand Metalik, I would be going to the creative staff or to Vince McMahon and I'd just, I'd, just, I'd just shoot my shot and say, you know, I went to the Olympics too. Um, and just like make up a story. Maybe they'll believe really? you're an Olympian. God damn, really? You were the, the Mexican Olympics. Get this yeah. guy some TV time. Why is he under a mask? I mean, why stop there? Why not like just go all out and like get do say something that Vince would really love. Like, um, you know, you used to be, um, be like uh, Vince, you've, you, you misunderstood. I'm not grand metal leak. I was gold metal leak. Hmm. Very nice. It's not worse than what he's doing now. <laughs> Firefly Funhouse. We had the mad tea party here. Alexa Bliss shows up with tea. The secret ingredient with, was arsenic as she murdered Ramblin' Rabbit. Bray says, you don't have to hide here. He comforts you and heals you. Alexa becomes possessed, telling us to let him in. Then she snaps back and mentions that she has her interview with Randy Orton tonight, which provides a concerned look on Bray's face as we all had to go back to 2017. Ramblin' Rabbit is okay. And then Bray uses the crucifix. Ah, that's what it's called. Yes. The crucifix, yes, which was what Randy Orton used prior to WrestleMania 33 to stab through the soul of Sister Abigail out in the woods. The crucifix, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so it's back. Well, um, so that seems Ale- to be- Alexa Bliss is also now playing a 12-year-old. Uh, I guess so. I mean, I-, I think she's really trying to like do the Harley Quinn thing. Um, so maybe it might just kind of come across like that, but, um, seems to be the new program that, uh, we're building up to after Survivor Series, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton again, but this time with Bray Wyatt as the fiend. And, um, this was also our first glimpse at Alexa Bliss within this sort of Firefly Funhouse thing. As usual, I really can't say these segments are like particularly good. They're this one in particular just kind of made you you know want to like the intent seemed to be made seemed to be making you feel weird and uncomfortable um did you get a sense that like they were supposed to be heels or baby faces in this i really have no idea what the objective of this is i think it's going to be very detrimental to to randy orton and i hope drew doesn't have to be part of this too i i really think this is just going to continue that streak of fe- the fiend working with this group like i I feel if we had crowds that this would be baby facing Randy at this point, which is not what I would want to be doing. Um, but I think that would be the side effect of, of this. I Roman Reigns won the lottery by this guy going over to raw. Yeah. This, would be de- this would be death for Reigns if he had to feud with this guy, which would probably be the baby face in waiting for him on SmackDown. It to me, it's just it's a tough program period. Just because I, I I still feel like the Fiend is such a heel right now, and you have Randy who's also a heel, and so you'd have to turn Randy, I think, in order to make it work. Um, but if it was Drew, um, 
I don't know. I'm not really sure how that would go. And I, and again, I'm not really sure that would be beneficial to, to either of those two. But if, I mean, the fiend is a large character. You're going to have to put him in the title picture somehow. So um, it's, it's kind of up to them to find a creative way. They have that history with the, the fire. What is it? House of horrors that they can rely on. Um, so we'll see what type of story they tell. But, to rely on. I mean, yeah. that to me was like the death of this program. I mean, this is a, these two had the, the, bloody match at WrestleMania where Orton came down with the, the phallic entrance. That's right. Yes. Yes. Um, this is not a kindly remembered program. Well, you know, just like how people will remember Halloween haunt, uh, havoc with nostalgic, uh, rose colored glasses. People might have that same feeling for this Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton feud. Um, they could do it better this time around. And it's all, I'm, I'm still open to it, especially with like Alexa bliss involved. I think she helps freshen up the entire package, helps her try a new character, um, but it, it's still going to be a challenge trying to fit this like Randy Orton character who's been involved in very real storylines this year with Edge, with Drew McIntyre, and trying to fit him into this like man, um kind of like horror movie again. I will completely do a one eighty on this program. If Randy is left in the ring alone, the lights go out and Bray doesn't realize that Randy's got Night vision goggles. Oh, you have introduced that. Yes. Oh, God. This is not looking great. Charlie is with Keith Lee. He said, there was nothing questionable about what Braun did last week. He could not beat me clean, so he hit me low for the cheap win. Next time, he'll show Braun a real monster. But now, he is going to walk with Elias. Um. Decent, average, scripted promo from Keith Lee here. Adam Pierce gets confronted by Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Both women don't feel they need qualifying matches. They've also looked at the number of women on the roster and realized that's not possible. And both want to be the team captain, and they present lists to Pierce to be on their teams. Pierce says to Nia, you're not the captain, and he'll make a decision tonight on the women's team for Survivor Series. Elias plugs his album. He's interrupted by Keith Lee. Before the match, uh, well, we got a SmackDown promo for Friday where, because of the loss, Jay Uso now becomes an indentured servant to Roman Reigns and must do Roman's bidding. So it looks like we're going to have the, um, that, you know, Jay, that, Jay that Uso is now... the stipulation, was it? Well, Paul Heyman did cut a promo to that effect on the kickoff show, but that was really not hammered on... The Friday. The Friday was, you're out of the family. That was the stipulation. Then on Sunday, it became this indentured servant deal that seems like Jay will be forced to do the bidding of Roman Reigns against his will. Okay, so they changed the the stipulation, and now Jay is going to be his butler? Well, it's kind of like... Kind of like contradictory, isn't it? It's like it went from you're out of the family to you're closer to me than ever. You could still be a servant, I guess, but yeah, he should have his name stripped. He should have the whole family should have their uh, yeah. NOIE card stripped. You know, Jay but, is Cinderella now. Uh, why? Well, he's like uh, he's like this this prince underneath, but unfortunately, he's under like the the spell, and oh. the, the stepsisters are you know the family members that are still tight with Roman, but he's out of the family. Uh, yeah, they they could go on to tell tell that one. Yeah, Elias and Keith Lee, um, 
Saxton told Tom at one point to stop shilling for this album. Tom, very honest in his response, said, it's my job. Lee lifted up Elias, spun him around for a slam, which Joe said he took him for a little bit of a tour with that. Elias is climbing up and Jeff Hardy's music plays and Elias froze. Maybe this was his uh, his acknowledgement that uh, Frozen 2 was on the top five of the iTunes music charts. And Lee tossed him off the top, spirit bomb, and he won this in 10 minutes. Okay, match. Um, nothing very special. I think Lee right now is being positioned as like a good competitive like wrestler, but in terms of rank, he's certainly not being pushed on like a monster level of say somebody like, you know, a Lars Sullivan. And that could just be the way that they're booking babyface versus heels. But I have to say, like going competitive like this with Elias and even needing a Jeff Hardy distraction in order to beat him, um, doesn't really place him very high in my like in my, you know, mental rankings. You know, they will have these heels to come up. And it's like, they know when they got to get a heel over, like they, they know the formula to fast track them. They really need to update this formula for baby faces. Yeah. It's not, it's not like they've created a plethora of them in the last 10 years. No, they love having like, even like when you have somebody like, like, man, like Keith Lee, who I think is just such a easy, you know, way to promote him up. Like they did it with Survivor Series last year. Right. He was gigantic like felt like he was he was not positioned as the number one guy on nxt but if you had not watched nxt and you just watched the lead up and survivor series you would have felt this was the guy in nxt that is how he was positioned last year well we should correct ourselves because like drew Mac- with drew mcintyre they do kind of promote him as this very unbeatable baby face oh drew drew they have hit like they have done a tremendous job with drew i will not take that away from them but um like Randy has like we're talking about the fiend right now as his challenger. Like there is nobody ready for Randy Orton. Roman. Roman is is, you know, who who they've got him with um for some. But that's not Thursday. that's not a program. That's not no. anything that like you're gonna be doing anything with. And that's yeah, well we'll talk about that later. But Keith Lee qualifies for the team, joining AJ, and then as Elias is recovering, Hardy shows up from behind, blasting him with the guitar, and says Amen, which they tell you that's a nod to one of Elias's singles on his album that's available now. It's number two. Ugh, the Hurt Business bullied some dude who was just trying to go take a piss. They plugged Halloween Havoc. The franchise is back. Not Shane Douglas. Orton is backstage with Charlie. He is not concerned about The Fiend. He's not concerned about anyone. And then we got a whole history of retribution. What a ride it's been for this eight-man elimination match, which we have been given an hour's notice on uh, that is coming up. It's the culmination, way the elimination match between the Hurt Business and Retribution. It, it's Yeah, it was promoted as the blow-off, and um, no warning ahead of time. Um, you know, I, I can't really say I'm, I'm upset to see it end, but at the same time, um, man... Like, I was going to say, like, I haven't had that much anticipation for it. They could have promoted this a month in advance. And with the way that they ended up booking the team, I, I, it just felt like they were, it, it, it was better to end it now than later. The official theme song for Survivor Series is John Ceno's podcast. Uh, yeah. Shot in the Dark. Oh, yes. Shout out to John Cena. 
AC ACDC. Oh yes, right, right. Yeah, you're gonna be getting this new album. Uh, you know, I gotta listen to the last one first, and then yeah, it's on my queue. So they announced the first match for the Survivor Series with the U.S. champion versus the IC champion. So if they both hold on to their titles, it will be the sister-sister match of Survivor Series. Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. Yeah, that classic rivalry. It's renewed on November 22nd. MVP cuts a promo. He says they don't run. Lashley says, we don't look at retribution as a threat. They shouldn't. They're an opportunity. Raw is an asset for the Hurt Business. Retribution is a liability. And MVP says, if you're good at something, you never do it for free. And they want their payment in gold. So what an elimination so, so match. So what does that had. mean? So, so they want title matches after doing this? Yeah, it was like, we don't do anything for free. But then they said they want their payment in gold, which I guess comes with a value attached to it, but not really a monetary figure per se what these titles like how much do these titles matter in terms of finances i guess it's supposed to, why would anybody want to want to win a title right but you know maybe some sort of added bonus to um your contract but they weren't very specific about which title they were looking for um let's try to think you know like it's world title levels that doesn't seem to be like on their radar right now like bobby lashley is a u.s champion they already have like this Highest secondary title that you can get. Maybe a 24-7 title shot. Tag team title shot, I suppose. Well, they, they do establish that they they want to go after the tag titles later. So oh, there you go. I guess we'll, we'll get a, a pair of the Hurt Business going for those at some point. Okay. Retribution has a new theme song. Very apropos for the run they're on. Shut it down. Lashley hits a flatliner on T-Bar. He takes him to the corner. Mace gets control of MVP and he yells to his corner, this is for you, Slapjack. Then we had, what happened here? So Reckoning, Mia Yim gets onto the apron and she starts rubbing her arms and starts (laughs) yelling. And I'm not kidding. She starts having convulsions on the mat and MVP, I I will at least defend MVP's reaction here. It's silly that you would stop in your tracks at music playing this woman looked like she was auditioning for the exorcist. I can't say that I wouldn't be staring at this wondering what the hell is going on here. And it was all a ploy as MVP got rolled up. This was among the stupidest things I have seen in a long time. Oh man, this like retribution thing just keeps getting better and better by the week. Yeah. This week I saw my first ever, um, convulsion, itching distraction finish to at least an elimination in the middle of a match. And um, they, again, left you like hanging here, not understanding what it was. Even after MVP got eliminated, she kept doing it. And then we just went to commercial and it was not revealed until we came back. And on a replay, it was revealed. She was simply joking. So um, I guess it was somehow realistic that it was something that you really couldn't take your eyes off of. But um Man, even for a wrestling show, it felt really mm, strange. Strange. You're being kind. So Reckoning's ejected. Lashley speared Slapjack, so he was eliminated. Then Lashley and T-Bar fought all over the Amway Center, so they're counted out. This was just going at a wonderful pace. Cedric and Benjamin are left with Mace and 
Ali, he was the other one left here. Neuralizer, pay dirt, that eliminates Mace. And then Ali ends up drop kicking Benjamin off the apron. There's a big back body drop. And knee sends Ali to the floor. And then Ali grabs a chair to attack Alexander. So this is our new fun finish to do. A DQ with a chair shot on the floor. 1309, waste of my time. I hate this group of retribution. So after this, though, um, the Hurt Business come out and they actually, like, they're so nice to Cedric. They're like, you did good, man. <laughs> you did great. Like, they're like... And then Ali runs. He runs to escape. <laughs> yeah, so I, they're treating this as if their goal is accomplished now. Like, WWE, at this point, um, their mission is done and WWE owes them. Um, I guess they beat Ali with the DQ and that was that. So this feud, thankfully, is over. It's done very few favors. I mean, I guess it's kind of helped the Hurt Business, but it's absolutely killed Retribution. And I don't know what you do with Retribution after this. You... Oh, they're not done. They're not done yet. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, man, this this feud might keep going on. Well, okay. Yeah, this this was another week where, again, you know, not as much of a surprise this week because we've seen previous weeks now. Uh, but this is a team that they're not taken seriously whatsoever. At least they've been consistent. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke are chatting with the flirtatious Angel Garza. And Mandy informs him that, yes, me and Otis, we are still close. Not, she didn't say together. She said still close. I was going to say, like, if Otis was watching this, like, we are still close. Excuse me? That is not, like, um... That's like, that's like when they ask, um, are you going to be firing the coach at the end of the season? And instead of like uh, a denial, it's um, he will be our coach uh, as long as he's under contract. Well, the contract's up in two months. Are you going to be renewing him? He is our coach as long as he is under contract. This was a clear, you know, let's just be friends type of breakup, I think. Where was where was Tucker tonight? Uh, probably gonna be showing up on SmackDown. It's my guess. I think that's gonna be the 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 split that we're just going to conveniently avoid and and ignore. Perhaps, yeah. Nia and Shayna Baszler show up, and Jax takes the rose from Angel Garza, so they're hinting at something between those two. Dana says we have not been beaten yet. What I loved about this is that. Dana and Mandy are the baby faces touting the fact that they are 2 and 0 whereas AJ is 2 and 0 and it's a heel uh line that he should be given special uh he should automatically get onto the raw team because he's 2 and 0 and then Dana and Mandy are justified in saying we're 2 and 0 this should be our team and they're automatically on it because they're 2 and 0 Well there's um there's bias in every everything you hear isn't there so um, I'd be pissed if I was AJ. I was like, no, no offense, but I mean, AJ Styles and Dana Brooke. Compare. Yeah, yeah. Jax asks, is this punked or something? Are you joking? So mm-hmm. a, 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 a minimal Phil Brooks reference on his birthday. Eh, okay, close enough. How long has punk been off the air for? Oh, man, I got to think, what, 2003, something like that? 2003 that know. long ago how long how long would you think oh god i would i would think it 
I think it was still going around 10 years ago. Let's see. Really? I, I, dude, I could be quit. 2007. Right. Punk, it first aired in 03. It ended in 07. Wow, that late, that short of a run. Well, there you go. Moving on. Drew McIntyre and The Miz. Uh, this, to me, is a look into the next six months. Oh, oh, Miz, I guess there was a revival at some point, or, or went until 2015. Oh, so okay. never mind. But the Ashton Kutcher version was 07 it ended. I think so. And I think even, what is it? There's, there might be a version that's out right now. Well, Chance the Rapper on Quibi. is doing one on, on, on Quibi. So I, I don't know about that. Quibi is the retribution of the streaming world. Yes, right. Miz attacks Drew's right knee and then sends him into the post by the ribs. Drew does his big comeback, does a kip up onto the bad knee. The future shock gets countered. Drew's sent to the floor. He beats the shit out of John Morrison, launches the briefcase away, and then kicks out of a cradle. Claymore pins the Miz. And unfortunately, I feel this is going to be, this is always where we find most times the heel briefcase owner is, well, they're, they have the briefcase. We can now beat them like a drum and that was the case that I certainly saw here with, with The Miz, that they feel they can just uh, destroy this guy as long as he's got this briefcase. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's just how they build their Money in the Bank winners, unfortunately. Um, and with The Miz, like, I think he's fun with the briefcase, especially with him and Morrison just kind of teasing heels, always having that weapon in their corner, always having that threat. As a guy talking with the briefcase, I think he's great, but uh, he's not somebody with any sort of credibility. I mean, far less credibility this time around than he had the first time he had the briefcase. So, I mean, I really just look at the money in the bank as almost just a, an entertainment gimmick. You know, at the very least, it's better than Otis, but I it, it's hard for me to buy him as a serious threat. And it doesn't seem like they're making any attempts at changing that. Then we had the closest thing to a modern-day version of uh, Sean Mooney at the uh, Survivor Series Event Center. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods are in the back wearing Street Profits shirts. And Kofi is, like, kind of nodding off, and it's done as, like, a dig at Angela Dawkins. Woods is wearing a Burger King crown so he can face King Corbin. But Woods is informed that, no, we are facing... The Street Profits at Survivor Series. Asuka shows up to announce that we want the smoke. And they announce you will be facing Sasha Banks at Survivor Series. And then they go over the other matches of Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns, which I think is a really tricky match to put together. These are always tricky matches. I mean, neither champion can really afford a loss. Um, so <laughs> not really expecting... Clean finish. We're probably going to get like fiend bullshit in that match. Perhaps, yeah. So, um, it's just a very difficult, but like to me, it's like Orton, you know, he's definitely lost some steam, but he's still like your, your top heel on Raw. Reigns, you really don't want to screw with this. Like, it's a very, uh, yeah, very, very tricky match of putting this thing together. These are all, yeah, they're often tricky, but, um, I think it's just about the spectacle of seeing the, the two top stars from the two uh, shows facing each other. And, um, yeah, you know, maybe something like this might explain why they didn't want to have Drew with the championship either. No, I think that's that's one 
fresh match that they want to save in Drew and and Reigns at uh, a a date down the road. Mm-hmm. So pretty much by the end of this, uh, we have the Hurt Business come in to confirm Lashley taking on Zayn. And then we've got the men's five on five and the women's five on five. So by the end of the night, like we've got six matches official and we'd get the whole women's team and we've got three of the five members of the men's team as well. So they, they announced quite a lot tonight for Survivor Series. Some of these matches are pretty self-explanatory, right? You know, one champion faces his, his equivalent, his or her equivalent on the other show. Um, all that's left is to really fill the, fill the roles on the teams, and uh, they seem to have done that right away. So, yeah, we'll see um, what the three weeks that they have, what they do with it. We've got, in every case, it's either babyface versus babyface or heel versus heel. Do you expect any title changes over this uh this period. They're definitely teasing it with the Hurt Business going after Kingston and Wood's uh, tag titles that they set up here in the promo. It's definitely possible, but at the same time, I mean, that to me is a match that I actually am, do want to see. You know, New Day versus Street Profits. And, you know, of course, they they're, they might not be afraid to, you know, um, change a match in the middle uh, by changing a belt, but... I don't know. I some some of the in some of these cases, I feel like it would be a downgrade to get rid of some of these matches because on paper, those two Street Profits versus New Day, Oscar versus Sasha, like they they look really good to me. Even Orton versus Reigns, I think, is very attractive on paper. So I have a feeling they're going to keep those ones. MVP. Uh, oh, sorry. They they do this and then it ends with Oscar doing the New Day rocks chant. Drew's backstage. He guarantees Orton will have a moment tonight, but it won't be a moment of bliss. Adam Pierce and Pat Buck introduce the women's team for the Survivor Series. They bring out Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Dana Brooke, and Mandy Rose. And then the fifth member is going to be the winner of a fatal four-way with Lana, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce, and the returning Nikki Cross. So that match begins and Tom Phillips notes that Elias's album has now surpassed Hamilton. It's number one on the Apple Music charts. Very impressive. Wow, it's better than Hamilton. Huge. That That's the conclusion. Tonight, at least. Yes. Uh, Lana went to hop over the top rope, and she nearly wiped out here, catching her feet on the top rope, and then walked into a woman's right. Uh, Peyton Royce was... Delivering spin kicks all over the place. Hit a gory bomb to Lacey on top of Nikki Cross. You can see she's definitely getting creative with her her offense. And then there's like a Tower of Doom spot. But it's Peyton delivering a German to Lacey off the second turnbuckle. Who delivers a superplex to Cross. Lana's selling the woman's right on the floor. And runs in to get the cover on the fallen Nikki Cross at 8.06. So Lana wins the fifth spot. And then she runs up to hug Nia Jax, who holds on to her and then puts her through the desk for the sixth time. Yeah, at this point, you start to definitely feel bad for Lana. And maybe that's the intent. You know, maybe this is their way of making Lana into a new baby face. Um, Considering that they're continuing with this Lana thing, it doesn't seem like it it was blown off last week. And that they, it has to end with Lana somehow costing Nia Jax some sort of victory probably at the Survivor Series or maybe even the tag titles, right? Or maybe Lana puts someone through the desk on her own on the SmackDown team. Nia Jax? 
I don't think she can get Nia Jax up for a Samoan drop. I'm sure they can figure it out. Retribution is not dead yet. Oh, sorry. First, we had the Orton promo. He's still planning to be on Moment of Bliss. He heard what Bray and Alexa said. And Charlie said, there's a threat coming for you. You could be walking into the lion's den. And he says he is not afraid of the fiend. He's happy to introduce him to an RKO. Retribution. They note they are not a family. They're not a team. This is a mission. And we are willing to sacrifice anything for it. Including our careers. We win when you suffer. And we will win because we decide when you can shut down. Huh? I didn't know, I didn't know what this meant. You will win when, when we decide to shut down. Got it. Okay. But they just won. No, they lost. No, 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 no. Hurt Business won. Oh, Hurt Business won, yes. Um, so did they decide to shut down? Uh, well, they decide. They decide when it's over. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the the team that you just keep beating and beating and beating, and then they just said, "No, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. No, this one's for real." It's awful. It's a very terrible, terrible storyline, and uh, hopefully, this does not uh, destroy these performers moving forward when they have to move on from this this wretched gimmick. Matt Riddle and Sheamus, our final qualifier of the night. Um, they had a really good match. Riddle was going for an arm bar and then thought to himself, you know what? Sheamus's parents might be on the screens watching, and I know Sheamus won't tap. So he transitioned to the triangle instead of the arm bar. And Sheamus did what Justin Gaethje couldn't, and he escaped from the triangle. He's better than Justin Gaethje. Clearly. That was what I was taking from this. Sheamus goes for a Kimura. It's broken with a gut wrench suplex. And then Riddle's trying for the Kimura. It's broken with an Irish curse. And he hits a PK off the apron and flips off the middle rope. They go through the break. Uh, no one was like itching and scratching themselves. It was a natural commercial break. Riddle landed a head kick, Broton. And then Sheamus came back. And dude, he nailed Riddle with this knee strike to the head. Riddle comes back with an exploder. Floating bro onto the knees. And Tom says, this is like Rocky beating up a piece of meat. Riddle goes to his back with a rear naked choke. It's thrown off. Then sidesteps the bro kick, bridging German for two. And then Riddle's back gives out and it allows Sheamus to hit the bro kick, pinning Riddle in 12 minutes and 51 seconds. It was a very physical, very intense matchup. Um, I quite enjoyed it. These two. This was the best match on the show. Yeah, very good, hard-hitting chemistry. Uh, Good selling from Riddle, I thought, throughout. So um, these two, like, we're we're good together. It was not a match with any sort of, like, um, I don't know, that much interest attached to it. Certainly, like, the characters aren't, don't have that much going on right now. But as just a physical match on Raw, I thought this delivered. I just, I, I don't understand the thinking of you've brought this guy up. He was already floundering on SmackDown. You give him the big reset going to raw. And it's like our option here was, you know, nothing against the guy. Seamus is 42. You know, he's, he's been on WWE TV for 12 years. It's like he has reached where he's going to get. 
who is the guy that has the ability to ascend higher? Like, where are we going with Matt Riddle? And I think they believe that, you know, when we're ready, we can snap our fingers and, and he'll be ready. That is proven to be not the case many, many times over. So I just look at the outcome here that, yes, this was a great match. Not saying Matt Riddle is like dead, but you know, he's just in a role where we have so many people at this level that it just, uh, I, I just look at the, the, the reintroduction process on raw. Like it's kind of been set like where this guy is. He's right where he was on SmackDown a month ago. Well, you never know like what else is going on. Like with, with their booking, right? Like what, 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 I don't know what, what sort of bullshit might be happening, happening. Did you catch like a line here from like Todd, Tom Phillips or was it Byron who said like, it's no secret uh, Matt Riddle has uh, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way backstage. Do you hear that? I missed that line. Okay, I'm pretty sure I heard that. But um, I don't know if they're turning that into a story or, or what. But yeah, I, 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 I'm really not sure what, what they're doing with Riddle. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Um, you know, it's you know, it, it's no secret all the stuff that's going on with him. But you know, they've they've kept him on TV throughout this this whole process. Um, and I don't know if it's like, we don't want to go all the way with this guy or what. Um, but it just, it, it just seems to be that, you know, they have him slotted at a certain level. And I mean, l- listen, if they, if they had, uh, their, their issues, they, they wouldn't put him on TV. So it's, I don't know. I think he's in a very, uh, just, just this, this period where I, I don't know if they just see him at a, at a certain level or, or what, what's going on. The final segment was moment of bliss and she brings out Randy Orton and promises Randy, I won't bite. She asks Orton about him and drew burning down the house last night. And Randy says, there it is burning the house down. So he knows that they've remembered this awful story from 2017. Where is the fiend? And Drew comes out. They fight as Bliss is laughing in the corner. Uh, 5,000 camera cuts later, Drew McIntyre tosses the set pieces to the floor and goes to set up for the Claymore when the lights go out. And the red light comes on. Orton is on the ramp. Drew's alone in the ring. And Orton has this frightened look on his face. The last way I would want to script Randy Orton. And he looks behind and there is the Fiend. And Randy walks forward away from the Fiend. He would rather just get attacked by Drew, who is more than happy to beat the hell out of Orton. So they fight around the ring. They fight onto the desk. And then the show ended. Yeah. Um... Uh, Randy's got a lot of programs going on right now. He's got Roman as the pay-per-view opponent, but I guess this Drew Fiend thing is, is, you know, the TV program to really hold him over. And, um, it's definitely like, mm, a challenge. Yeah. It's going to be a challenge anytime you're working with the Fiend, but like, it seems like Randy Orton has also taken several roles here. Like on the one hand, I think with the Fiend, is he supposed to be a baby face? I get the impression that he is. I think that's where 
they want you to be. It's that like here's a guy that's actually going to mess with Randy Orton, but or I watch the, this. Or is it the he, yeah, he's the heel with the Fiend is the babyface, and then Randy is the heel for both of them. Like Randy Orton is the adversary of Drew McIntyre, so he's a heel. Yeah. And I think you're supposed to believe that the Fiend is now uh, the guy that can mess with Randy Orton. But mm-hmm. I don't think that that is going to be the way people take this. If anything, I think it's going to be just – I think it's going to lessen Randy Orton as a heel. And I, I think you're just going to get a, a mess of a, of a program between these two. You're going to have to find a way to mesh, you know, Drew McIntyre with The Fiend, uh, even if they're, the two of them are fighting on the same side. So, um, yeah, it could be interesting. Or it could be terrible. At the, end, at the end of this, what do you see as Drew's role at the Survivor Series? Because really the only role is part of the men's team or he's involved in, in something else. Uh, I think he's in the men's team. He's already qualified, right? Hasn't he? No, Drew. Drew hasn't. Oh, Drew hasn't. Who did no. he beat today? He didn't fight. He beat anybody. the Miz, but that was not a qualifier. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So I'm guessing he'll be he'll make his way onto onto the team somehow. Well, that was raw. Um, I mean, I will say the positive. I thought Sheamus and Riddle had a great match. You do. You, you've outlined a lot of the Survivor Series, so like you have that direction now for the next couple of weeks. Uh, so so that's that's a positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, this retribution stuff's awful. I'm not enjoying this this fiend stuff with Orton. That those would be the 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 two big negatives. And whatever the hell happened with Mia Yim? You know, as usual with these Survivor Series, like you're, it, it, that's almost like like a pay per view unto itself. And your Raw is going to be something completely like different. I mean, it's it's going to be a different show, not necessarily building to those matches, but more so building to. The next pay-per-view that's coming up after Survivor Series. So, um, you know, they have a card for Survivor Series. I think thus far it looks good, but we're still going to maybe have to, you know, reserve a bit of judgment on the programs currently going on on Raw. As an episode itself, um, maybe I was just like a bit more tired than usual, but this one I definitely felt a drag um, heading towards the end. Uh, Maybe it's just the roster of this current show that I'm not necessarily as excited by. But um, it's the it's the beginning of like their new season. Let's go to the forum. Tonight's show gets a four point eight six out of ten. Paul from New Jersey writes: By now, I think it's abundantly clear that Retribution was never meant to get over. They're just a parody and should be viewed as only that. Whose idea was it to give Nia Jax all this mic time? Nice punked reference, Nia. So glad they split the iconics because this Peyton Royce singles push is going really well. This show was a snooze fest. Don't want to be completely negative, so I will say I like that Dana Brooke is on television and Lana getting the Kenny from South Park treatment is hilarious. With the current product, if you guys didn't do this for a living, how much WWE would you be watching? Mm, I think I would keep up with like like things that were happening through, via websites or podcasts, and I'd probably watch the occasional pay-per-view. But I wouldn't be watching, like, I might just, like, flip on Raw, like, because out of habit, you know, it's a Monday night. Oh, let's see what's going on there. Might be checking Twitter, and if there's something worth watching, I'll watch it. But it wouldn't be appointment viewing for me. I would say over the last month, um, 
I, I would definitely I, w- I would probably end up watching SmackDown most weeks. I, I've enjoyed the like the ma- the top two stories on SmackDown with, with Reigns and with Bailey and Sasha. And to me, if if you're getting like two strong programs on that two hour show, I think like that carries the show for me. Yeah, sure. I like if it wasn't on Friday, maybe. But because it's a Friday, I don't think so. I don't think I would. We go to Johnny, who says, what is your assessment of Drew McIntyre's seventh-month seventh month reign as champion? Do you think he held the stature of the top guy very well? And if so, going forward, can he maintain that? When I say top guy, I mean someone who could fill those top three spots at Mania. I think during a year of dissatisfactory booking, he is certainly one where they have got it pretty spot on. Um, thoughts, John? I think, you- it's su- I think it's such an incomplete because we don't have the usual ways of what to measure like a success or failure by. I think that Ray, uh, like Drew, I think is seen as that top guy. Like he is the number one baby face in the company, regardless of brand. So he's in that spot. I, I think he's done an exceptional job this year where it's been um, the, the state that the shows have been running under. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's not like we get to look at, okay, did, did house show numbers go up? Did did this guy like? Did the audience turn on him? Did like all these different factors that we would measure, um, you know, a champion success uh, by? Uh, we don't have. We just kind of have the the performance, which is very subjective. Some may like if you think Drew is awesome and I think he's awful. It's like we both may have points, but it's down to our opinion. We don't really have those specific markers to look at and can see what major differences he's made. But I, I think overall, like I, he's been a legitimate baby face that to me has worked. And we do have the period before the shutdown that you could see that from the rumble onward, like he was getting over, like by the time they got to that raw in Brooklyn and he laid out Lesnar, like you had a top baby face on your hands. So I like to think that he would have rode that wave. Uh, there's always like that post mania, um, difficulty sometimes for a new babyface champion, but I I I don't think you could ask much more out of him this year. Like from match quality, promos, I I think that he's he's checked off the boxes for me. I think he's as a performer very good, and he's really demonstrated over the past several months how good he's been. And it's not just the promo which we we know he, he's had, but in ring too. Like he's he just hasn't an intensity and just a level of excitement and just a fluidity to a lot of his wrestling that I think is somewhat underappreciated. Um, but that said, I, I do really feel like whether or not there's an audience there, I think there's a spark that's just missing from him from being like next level, you know? And when I say next level, I'm talking, talking about people like um, Becky Lynch, you know, people like obviously rock and Austin, um, yeah, maybe even a John Cena, although like it's harder for me to say like what what Cena spark is. But like Drew McIntyre, I think this was a good first run, but he still feels, in my opinion, almost a little bit prototypical, a little bit generic of like what you imagine Vince McMahon wanting a top babyface to be. And Drew McIntyre is to me like even he's better than Roman Reigns uh, on the microphone, uh, maybe even better than Roman Reigns, like, you know, in ring. But um there's just that spark that like makes prevents me from like thinking of him as like somebody I have to have to see. And that's a spark that Roman Reigns has found right now as a heel. So, um, 
you know, it's much more challenging, I would say, to find it as a baby face, especially when you're playing, you know, somebody's idea of what a baby face should be rather than finding that yourself, which I don't know if Drew has that much space to because he's, you know, fulfilling Vince McMahon's ideals right now. But um, I would say there's still something preventing him from reaching that next level for me. Aaron from Brampton writes, I actually don't mind the idea of the 24-7 title, but it's time to change up how it's presented on TV. The whole purpose of it is to add some chaotic and random comedy to Raw, yet they're recycling the same old tropes. Give us some superstars that aren't R-Truth or Tozawa. How about a story that's more than just wrestlers attempting schoolboy pins? That title has shown it could be entertaining when Drake Maverick was champion. I hope they explore the relationship between Bray and Alexa a bit more in the coming weeks. They didn't seem to have natural chemistry in the funhouse. Do you guys think maybe... They'll go the direction of them being love interests. I really like how Orton sold his fear of the Fiend in the closing segment as he chose brawling with Drew over confronting Bray. Yeah, I think you'll you'll maybe get some of those like, I you know I I think they're just purely basing this off of like Joker and Harley Quinn and, um you know it's not necessarily completely overt. They're not making out all the time, but like the the kind of suggestion is there that these two are somewhat together or more so that she is obsessed with him, which is, I think what you'll continue to see. And I think Ray will continue like the fiend, especially will continue to be sort of this more like, you know, um, I don't think he'll be doing much like romance with, with that character. He's just more so somebody who um, is there to completely hypnotize the people that are around him. And I think that's the character Alexa's is going to play. We go to Brian from New Jersey who says, I found this episode to be a bit of a bore, but at least it wasn't a mess like last week. I thought Sheamus and Matt Riddle had a good match as Riddle remains on the skids during his ugly lawsuit business. Not a fan of the running gag of Lana being put through a table. This week it just felt mean. They stated that this week's Hurt Business versus Retribution match had been building for months, a week after they already had a match. I take it the Raw men's men's team will win their match at Survivor Series because AJ Styles made it onto the team and everybody on the SmackDown team will be petrified in fear by AJ's big friend. I guess any NXT reps decided to sit out because they went out on top last year. Yeah, they've retired from the Survivor Series. They've conquered that. Alexander from Portland. I'll eat my hat if there's a gimmick worse than Retribution to come in 2020. Nothing I saw tonight endeared them to me. Congratulations to SmackDown for not drafting them. Maybe I'd be excited for Sasha Banks and Asuka if we didn't already see them have multiple matches earlier this year. Maybe I'd be excited for Randy Orton and Roman Reigns if outside interference was guaranteed to not happen. But I can't see WWE choosing to let one of these Hell in a Cell winners lose at the next pay-per-view. As a side note, I listened to the new Elias EP that came out today. I'd say it's not worth the time but we're all used to wasting three hours every Monday anyways. At least this show was better than King of the Ring 95. Five awkward seizures out of ten. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what a review I've... of that album. And what a review of King of the Ring 1995, which I still have half to watch. So um... I don't envy you. Oh, I might have to save that for tomorrow morning. Well, tomorrow morning, we'll have an interview out with Jake Hager. And then rewind away tomorrow night. Number 73, King of the Ring 95, a classic tag match with Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow against Sid and Tatanka. That's the main event. Oh, man. Well, not to me. To me, it's the Kiss My Foot match between Jerry the King Lawler and Bret the Hitman Hart. I'm quite looking forward to that. Yes. Bret Hart will cut a promo on sticking his foot into a man's mouth. So that is to come on Rewind Away, Tuesday night. Uh, thank you to everybody for joining us. Uh, we've got Rewind to Dynamite coming up Wednesday night. Lots of great shows. 
Go check out postwrestling.com. That is it. Goodbye.